welcome James Hamlin who's just sitting What's going here on, quietly James? while we argue <laughs> is, is is the defense the, this Chris Biederman was talking about earlier. The defense just realized we can't we can't do it. Defense got two stops in the third quarter. I know they did. That's why I never believed that the so, game. That's why I never believed that their chance was over. But the, I, and we, if one of those stops became a takeaway again, the fumble changes everything. But if one of those stops become a takeaway, then all of a sudden you're back in it. You're we, right there. We we agree with that. I'm talking about the when you didn't have a chance. You your chance was taken away, and this was unprecedented in this game. This big where the team had a quarterback that could not pass the ball for an entire half. Like that, to me, if I'm Cincinnati, yeah, it sucks. It was a bonehead play. We lost. We, we didn't make a play, but we had our guys out there. We had our opportunities. That sucks. As I'll just speak as a 49ers fan, you had your opportunity ripped away from you. Like you couldn't even, you, you couldn't even pass the ball for the second half of the game. And it was a yeah, two-score game. Yeah, like – in all honesty, like I thought that was such a blow to lose Purdy early. And then again, Josh, I mean, why are we not calling out the fact that they went into an NFC championship game with Josh Johnson as their backup quarterback? Um, to me, that, well, that's kind of not fair because he was actually their fourth string quarterback. It's 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 not like they well, went through. It's no, not like- they went out and got him midseason. That was a decision they made to bring him in and to have him be a backup. And to me. Like, he's never proven to be good enough. At least if you look at a guy like Chad Henney, at least he's been there for years. Chad but on a team. Who are you going to go get? Yeah. It's well, the middle of the I, season. I don't know, but there had to be somebody that wasn't Say it, a James. 36-year-old. Say it, oh, James. We all, we all know. Say it, James. We all know. They should have gone and got Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, we all know. they should have done. We all know. But look, in a realistic <laughs> sense, what, you going to go get Cam Newton and that's going to be better? Like there's well, nobody. I don't get. think that that would be better. I don't like Cam Newton wouldn't be better, but you had guys out there that you could have gone and got. Who? And like <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have a list of NFL quarterbacks that were unemployed at the time that you could have gone and got. But like, I, I just feel like Josh Johnson wasn't good when he was, you know, first in the league. He's never been good. And the fact that he was the option that you had was was not great. I'm and then I, I'm kind of with, uh, like, I, I don't know which of you guys took this side, but I thought the defense was bad. Like, mm-hmm. I, I did. I, I thought that Drake Greenlaw was completely out of control and made foolish mistakes time and time again. Uh, I, I thought he put his team in a rough situation. He got caught on the inside on the touchdown run uh, where he was forced to, supposed to force the guy back outside. I mean, back inside, um, I thought that, you know, like the penalties, the, all that stuff, it all played into it. I, I didn't think the pass rush was good enough, which is surprising because they're supposed to have this, you know, elite pass rush. I just didn't think it was good enough. And, you know, here we are. Like, you got to the end of the game. If you got a quarterback who can't throw five yards and you're just putting him in there to, to snap the ball, like, what are you doing like, you have to have some other plan in place. You walked in with only two quarterbacks. Where's your emergency third quarterback? Isn't that still a thing? Yeah, it was Isn't... Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but Kyle I think by league, rule, by league rule, if you have a quarterback go down and then his backup go down. That's an if old you rule. Wanna... Yeah, you can't, that's an that's old it. rule. That's not in place so anymore. The guy so would there's be no the more third point. emergency no. third quarterback. Nope. Well, that's and now, that's, that's today's the day the everyone is screaming for their right. rule to come back after we had to sit through that NFC championship last night where a team couldn't throw for the second half. Yeah. That's the yeah, I mean, the like we get to the second half, and I, I just didn't think that they were that good in the first half. 
I didn't. I didn't think their their defense made too many mistakes. And they were like fundamental mistakes. They were not being in the moment and concentrating and you know, like we see the the big hit out of bounds on um on Patrick Mahomes in the mm-hmm. in the late game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like Drake Greenlaw had one of those as well. Like yeah, and, and he, he had, like, he, no he didn't, James. He had yeah, he had he, one unnecessary roughness where he was trying to punch the ball out from the the, the oh, running back. Yeah, yeah, where That's he's he literally punching somebody repeatedly he's punching the like ball. a crazy he not, person. He didn't touch the guy. He punched the ball every time. Now, but whether that's a penalty or not, he also did it ahead, 30 minutes, 30 seconds after the, the the whistle had blown. He had lost control. And to me, like, there were some major, major issues throughout the game. And it started with, like, not throwing a flag, uh, not throwing a red yeah, flag on the initial play. On fourth and, you know, if it was any other down, I understand Shanahan taking a cautious approach. It was fourth and three. Like you gave up a mm-hmm. touchdown that didn't need to happen. That was a coaching mistake. I I, I just felt like once again I, I did not think the 49ers were the better team on that day without any question, and that was before the quarterback went down. So after after let me ask James this: When it's seven to seven, yeah, seven to seven, middle of the second quarter, they get a stop on third and six. Pass interference is called, which is a bad call. They call pass interference. And and Jimmy Ward made his contact was three yards past the line of scrimmage. They get the ball back with five minutes to go in the half. I mean, that's the defense who did all that. They scored on their opening drive, and they needed a fourth and third to get that. They didn't put together. If you if you don't call that call, that means they didn't put together another scoring drive for the rest of the half. The defense did that. Defense was fine. The defense was the fun. defense was okay. It was okay early, and the second half it wasn't good enough. It just wasn't good enough. It, I mean, you understood what you were up against, but still, I mean, I I don't know. Like I, there were too many things that went on in that game. Too many decisions coming into that game that were made. That you know, again, I I can't imagine going into an NFC Championship game and my backup quarterback is Josh Johnson. And, and I mean, sorry. Like that—that's the way it goes. I mean, you have to plan for everything, especially for a team who's on their third quarterback. Let's let's just, but let's just be completely fair and honest. There's no, there's nobody that was out there that you'd be like, yo, I'm good with him being my backup quarterback. There's nobody out there. Yeah, I, I <laughs> there's don't know. no, there's I'd have nobody. To, I'd have to go there. through the list of who's available. Outside of Cap, available like, I'd, be, I'd be, I'd be good with Cap, but even then, Cap hasn't played in six, seven years, so. Like, oh no, I'm not bringing Kaepernick in. But no, no I'm no, just, I'm just, but I'm just yeah. saying, like that's it's the fourth quarterback. Like nobody's gonna be. Like, I'm good with that's him. That's right. It's it's important to point out. It's not the second quarterback. It's the fourth. It's just where this team was. Um, that's yeah. why yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. had been monitoring Jimmy Garoppolo's health. It's like, could Jimmy Garoppolo potentially be mm-hmm. an emergency quarterback, a backup quarterback? Uh, to Brock Purdy, could he be the starting quarterback? Well, none of that happened. Well, Jimmy uh, had a good time on the sideline. I'm sure that he did. He had a nice little smile on his face. No. It's, yeah, his last game is the San Francisco 49er. Jeez. Probably. Uh, so another drama-filled uh, offseason at the quarterback position coming up with the San Francisco 49ers with uh, Brock having that UCL surgery, uh, likely having that surgery coming up, keeping him out uh, for the next six months. As we welcome in the creator of the Kings beat and our Kings insider and fired-up football fan, uh, James Ham here on uh, KIFM West Sacramento 98.5 FM KRX QHD2 Sacramento 
ESPN 1320, driven by Lashers, Elk Grove Dodge. Always live on the free Odyssey app. James will go from uh, one poor performance to another. Oof. Oof. Unlike the San Francisco 49ers, the Kings got a chance to make their uh, latest poor performance right when they take on the Minnesota Timberwolves for the second time uh, in the last three days. Going back to Saturday's game, James, uh, what stands out for you in that one? You know, it just was a lack of uh, energy, intensity in the first half. You know, again, like Fox finishes with a with like a fury. What's he? He scored twenty one in the fourth quarter. Yep. Mm-hmm. But like, where were you in the first quarter when your dude was going off for twenty three points mm-hmm. in the first half? You know, um, just the inability to stop somebody. And, and you know, that's the game, right? They put in Casey Akpala. And first, he he stops short on a three point attempt, and, and then runs at the basket and like I don't know, he airballed like a like an eight foot runner, which is like one of the most difficult shots in in the game is running from the side and going baseline and trying to hit a floater, um, but uh, which speaks to why you don't take that shot. Uh, and then you know he uh, then he took the three pointer the next time out and missed and. So they just abandoned it after three minutes completely. I thought if you can't stop Ant-Man and you can't stop uh, D'Angelo Russell, you got to throw some different look out there. And I I would like to see more KZ. I would like to see more Davion. Whatever it was, it wasn't working. And, you know, you gave a team um, that realistically is not very good and is trying to find itself right now. You gave them life when you didn't need to. They're on the second night of a back-to-back. There were too many things going in your favor in that game. And you let it off the hook. You know, you let them off the hook. D'Angelo Russell's killed that team how many times in his career? Like, it's just time. like he, <laughs> yeah, he just abuses them. He, you know, he's one of the guys that just like his lights, his eyes light up every time he plays Sacramento Kings. And for whatever reason that is, I mean, because we're talking about a totally different group of players, you let the guy just get off way too early. You know, like he, he was like cooking so early. And how do you not foul him? How do you not do something to disrupt him? Mm. I was just surprised. Like very, very little uh, adjustments made early. And I know, you know, Mike Brown calls his timeouts and was angry and I don't blame him. Um, that just felt like one of those games where you didn't walk in fully prepared to play and you got your ass kicked. Pardon my French. Yeah, Katie. That was English. <laughs> Katie said on the broadcast, uh, somebody needed to 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 give him a hard foul or something. Let him know you're there. Let him feel you. Uh, you know, I understand that nobody's trying to hurt anybody, but run him into a screen or something like that so on the on the defensive end. But let him know, like like he he feels entirely too free playing against the Sacramento Kings. Entirely too free. Make him work on defense. Run him through some screens. Something. But he just feels way too comfortable playing against those guys. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you had to keep throwing different looks at him. And, you know, I went back and looked at some of the highlights, and it wasn't all on Fox. Like, a, a lot of those, like, they kind of took turns. Like, at one point, you had Harrison Barnes defending him. Kevin Herter got lit up for a couple of threes. Like, I think that's the biggest thing, though, right? He, he went 8 of 8 in the first half, but 7 of 7 from 3. Like, what in the world? Like, how are you not taking away the three ball from him? I don't get that. And so, again, the the in-game adjustment by the players has to happen. Like, you've got to figure something out and make that guy go work for a shot. 
and and they didn't. And then they made the adjustment in the second half, and it didn't really matter because at that point Anthony Edwards just took over and mm-hmm. and did the same thing that uh, that Russell did in the first half, like some really really poor uh, like perimeter defense that I just you know the Kings have to get better at it. Yeah, you know that's something we didn't talk about earlier was the Anthony Edwards component of this and how he he may. He may be able to be able to play De'Aaron right out of that All Star spot in in Utah. Mm. You know those that gets announced what Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't imagine these next you know that Saturday's game and tonight's game against each other are going to be ignored if if those really are at least two of mm-hmm. the final candidates with with perhaps Booker also being involved. They should be ignored. Well, yeah, I, I would have a tough time. Anthony Edwards is playing good ball. Yeah, but I mean, two, if two games should, should not decide, I don't think it should either. For fifty games, I don't think it should either. I also don't think twenty-nine games out of fifty should decide it either. But here we are with Zion Williamson as a starter, mm-hmm. and and Devin Booker having an opportunity to get the last spot. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. it's it's out there. Yeah, I mean, Fox uh, Fox knows what the what it looks like he knows what the task at hand is and you can only say so many times that you know you have the third seed in the west and that you deserve two all-stars um you know like like i don't disagree with that but you can't have nights where it just doesn't come together and it's a big game and it's important and and it's about pushing a team down we talked about this last week uh you know even like with the lakers win that was such a huge win because you you not only you know beat them and push them deeper in the standings but you also took a 3-1 advantage in the season series and the memphis game again you talk another huge huge night for the kings because you end up tying them in the season series just in case there is a tie because there's nothing that says that a the kings can't catch the the grizzlies and move up to number two or b the grizzlies can't come back down to earth and you you get stuck with a four or five Mm -hmm. and i'd want as many variables as possible when it comes to uh, home court advantage. And so those are, those are important games. And Minnesota's a team that's charging. And we have this group of teams that are right behind the Kings now with the Clippers and the Warriors and uh, Minnesota that are all charging at the same time. And the Kings need to, they're on a seven game road trip. It doesn't matter how bad the teams are you're playing. The road isn't an easy place in the NBA. I mean, the Kings are literally the only team in the Western conference right now with above 500 record on the road so and they're one game over so we can't just expect that at the end of this trip now the kings are going to be seven games over because they just just annihilated the next six teams that's usually not the way it goes so yeah they got to figure out a way to take care of business especially against a team that's you know ready to climb real real quick i wanted to because james was talking about the teams surging and it it reminds me I, i i told you before the commercial break Remind me about losing. And when we look at the Western Conference here and, and, you know, going into tonight's game, the Kings have done a really good job at responding Mm -hmm. virtually the entire year. They've responded to games. You know, now they have a stretch where they've lost two in a row. I don't think they've lost more than two in a row for for a while. Mm -hmm. Like this, this, how they respond to, to tonight's game is important. But when you look at the makeup of the Western Conference, New Orleans, Phoenix, Portland, like they've all had Dallas, they've all had like brutal stretches of like look at this Portland it, during a stretch of the season. They lost 11 of 13. Mm. The Jazz at one point, they lost 7 of 8. The Suns 
12 of 14. Hmm. The Clippers at one point lost 9 of 11. Hmm. The Dallas Mavericks at one point lost 7 of 9 this year. The Sacramento Kings have been, even with even with even with losing four straight at the beginning of the year, they've been able to avoid losing stretches like that for the most part. And it's why tonight's game feels important and why a lot of that, a lot of that, oh, the whole conference could shift in a week is a bit silly when you, when you look at how all of these teams have just had like some of the most dramatic lows and, you know, dramatic highs all throughout the year. It's been a really, really strange season so far. Hmm. It's difficult yeah, to make heads of tails of who's good, but the one thing I can say, James, before you continue, is the Kings are the one team that hasn't had that stretch. Mm. And I left out the Lakers in those because they've basically been that all year. They've basically been in that position they're at all year. Of all of these teams, the Kings are the one that have not had that losing stretch. I think you forgot to mention the Pelicans have lost eight in a row mm. right now. I, mean, I absolutely did forget to mention the Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans are the team. I mean, they were the three seed before the Kings were the three seed. <laughs> I mean, talk about hitting rock bottom. And, and they don't even have, uh, like, they don't know when Zion will be back. Like, will Zion even be back for the All-Star game? I don't really think nah, we know. I don't think and so. it seems like a, a Zion move that he'd show up the day before and, like, be ready <laughs> to play and then go play in the All-Star game. Uh, but... Like, who knows? I mean, that's very, very much what his career has been like. And, you know, like, they, the Kings have an opportunity here. It's, you're still facing sub-500 teams. Mm-hmm. What do we got, two on the road trip now that are above 500? Maybe not even two? Like, think, there's an opportunity uh, here. It's and, the Pelican. and well, gotta, it's, it's Minnesota, Minnesota tonight Minnesota, and the yeah. Pelicans. Yeah. yeah, and how far over 500 are the Pelicans that's at this a, point? That's a great question. I just thought of that with all those games that they've lost in a row. They the are 26 and 25. Yeah, yeah. And Minnesota's so by the time the Kings face them, will they be a 500 team? I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you got to take care of what's in front of you uh, game by game, and uh, but you also you owe Minnesota a big one. And so I'd like to see the Kings not look so frustrated, not look so, uh, like, discombobulated. I, you know, I, I felt like in that game, Sabonis was, like, yelling and screaming for the ball the whole game. Like, there wasn't a lot of flow. There was, He didn't have a bunch of assists like he has in the past. It was almost like he wanted to show that Rudy Gobert has no business being in the all-star mention, mm-hmm. and he's just going to run him over. Uh, so, like, I, I don't know what that was all about, but, you know, there wasn't the f- same flow that we've seen from this team most of the season. And you got to find ways to step up. You got to have everybody step up in, in a game like tonight's game. Nuggets yeah. and Pelicans tomorrow night, TNT. Who he root for? Nuggets. Nuggets, yeah, absolutely the Nuggets. Go Mike Malone and yeah. my Nikola Jokic. Do work. My guy. Do work. Um, the, to this game today, though, uh, you know, I agree with everything that you just said, James, and you know, I, I personally went into this two-game series with Minnesota is, you know, you just got to get one of them, you know, get one of them at the very least. Yep. It doesn't matter which one. It literally doesn't matter which one. If they were to uh, win on Saturday and lose today, you got you got the one of the two that you needed. The fact that they lost on Saturday and if they win tonight, all is right with the world. And that's the way I look at this one. You still have what your uh, initial goal was, you know, your worst case scenario at the very beginning. You still have that attainable. You still have that in front of you. Go out and play a good game tonight. 
and, and get a W. You let um, D'Angelo Russell go off in the first half. You let Anthony Edwards go off in the second half. Try and do a better job of making sure they don't go off. Make it hard on them to, to get buckets. And if you do that, I think you'll be able to score enough to get a victory. But um, the, the goal is still still right there. There's, there's nothing to stress about. Yeah, and you know, I think with Minnesota, they're they're the last the last year they haven't been a, gr- a great three point shooting team, and so I think that that was part of it. You know, they came in right now they're uh, they're nineteenth in the league in three point percentage. They're also only nineteenth in the league in three point attempts, and so part of the idea was to limit how many times they got into the key and you know like slow them down at the at the basket, which has been the biggest issue for the Kings. Like mm-hmm. how, how do you give up all these points in the paint? And, uh, you know, they didn't need to score <laughs> in the paint because they were hitting everything they took outside. And so it, it becomes like this weird thing where the Kings, even though they're not a horrible team at defending the three, they still give up a high percentage of shots. Teams just come in very confident. If you look at like how many shots they take that are well defended, uh, that are closely contested, they do a good job at it, and it's just in a game like that, Russell is a little different in, in that he he likes to shoot a ton off the dribble. He's not doing hardly anything as like a catch-and-shoot three guy, mm-hmm. and you, you just got to stay in front of him and, and get up tight on him. And then if he picks up a couple of fouls, that's fine, but he's also not a guy that usually gets a ton of foul calls. Mike Brown was critical of the defense again. Uh, following this game, and it was the first time I, I think he, at least that I, I can remember, you certainly uh, would be uh, more familiar with this than than I, but it was the first time I remember him saying, you know, the way we're winning games, is that's not, that's not how, this isn't going to work long term. And I think he used the term fool's gold, um, which was very reminiscent of a, a Dave Yeager remark from, from, from the famous 39 win year uh, that the Kings had. Uh, not too long ago, what did you think about what Mike Brown said in that post game? And is that just his latest attempt to get this team to step up a little bit on the defensive end? Yeah, this has been an epic battle for Mike Brown all season long. You know, he's a defensive-minded guy. He hates that his team is what twenty-third right now in defensive rating, and the only reason why he's twenty, they're twenty-third because they haven't got better; they've gotten worse. Is that other teams have also gotten worse? You know, like the whole entire league is it like? like half the league is 113 and above in defensive rating. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And the Kings will start out a night 25th. They'll give up a bunch of points and get killed, and they'll somehow move up to 23rd. And that's just because, again, the league isn't isn't playing a lot of defense right now at all, mm-hmm. which is why we see you keep seeing like 50-point games almost every single night in the league. It's totally bizarre. Um, but like Mike is going to keep harping on this throughout the year. It, it absolutely kills him that this team doesn't play defense. It's the same thing with Michael Malone when he was here. You know, you can talk about Dave Yeager. Dave is more of a defensive-minded, slow-it-down guy. Uh, But he still, like, he did the crazy running thing because that's all he had. And I don't think that's what all Mike Brown has. Mike Brown has an intricate, like, refined, efficient offense. It's still ranked number one in the league in offensive rating and number one in the league in points per game. It's just stunning. But these guys have to figure out ways to make stops and we can't say that they like they can't do it i mean they just what what was the final the fourth quarter they outscored um memphis 33 to 4 
thirty to four or thirty three to four in the mm-hmm. final like eight nine nine fifty nine of the of the fourth quarter. So that came with a bunch of defensive stops and mm-hmm. a bunch of really good looks on the offensive end. But it has to be consistent, and we're seeing good teams are able to disrupt what the Kings do. Long teams, uh, teams that are physical, they're able to disrupt what the Kings are doing. And when their offense goes away, their defense is already so bad that you, you can't keep up, and that that's really tough. Let me ask you something, James. You have better, uh, probably better insight than, than almost everybody, uh, probably everybody into this in, in the media. But do you think there's like um... – like Mike Malone talks to them about needing to get better on getting better on the defensive end and in the same breath gasses them up, so to speak, with what they can do on the offensive end. Talked about this earlier, like talking to them, saying, hey, man, you guys got to be better defensively. This isn't going to get it done. We got to be a better defensive team because we already know we're going to score and can't nobody score with us. <laughs> can't nobody score with us. We're going to do what we do. Can't nobody score with us. Now – if we play defense, we can be even that more legal. Is it that, or is it after they put up 120? That's fool's goal. That's not good enough. Y'all need to play defense. That's not it. Like, I think there's potentially a difference in the two messages and, like, what you're trying to get across. Do you, how, how do you think he, you know, talks to the team in that respect? Okay, so, like, I think there's, like, a misconception. Like, that's why we talk about defensive ratings, offensive ratings, and net ratings, Right. So you can have a game where you give up 130 points. And if you score 143, you stomped on somebody. So it's the 13-point point differential, if you will, that makes sense, that makes more uh, matters more to Mike Brown than it is, you know, how many points they give up. Mm-hmm. So, again, if this team is scoring 135 and they're giving up 125, he's not going to be necessarily happy that that they're giving up 125 but you you start factoring things like pace of play efficiency like there's all kinds of things that you start stacking into the equation so does mike brown want this to be a great defensive team yes um does he know that right now he's got to win however he's got to win yes that's the answer Mm -hmm. like he knows what he's up against and he's fighting all season long to make them better defensively to have an identity on that side of the court but at the end of the day as long as they're winning he's probably going to be okay you can find a defensive player of the game when you give up 130 points as long as you win and so he's he's got to keep that in mind and i think he does he he wants more and he's hoping for more and he's demanding more uh, but at the end of the day he's looking at something other than how many points his team gave up in each individual night? It's a interesting tightrope Mike Brown has to walk yeah, right now. Is. Like I, really I, I think when you b- brought that up earlier about gassing up the offense, while well, hey guys, you know while we're at it, why don't why don't we work on being really good at this end? And that's kind of what we were talking about, James, is that they've shown. You mentioned the Memphis game, and I used that example earlier. They mentioned spurt. They they've had spurts of like really good defense, and it's like okay, it's having those in the fourth quarter of a tight game. That's awesome. But like, if D'Angelo Russell's starting to cut loose in the first, you think you maybe 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 do it then? Uh, maybe maybe sometime in the second quarter. Maybe instead of you know one burst at the end, you're able to throw in a couple of competent minutes throughout the other. Uh, uh, you know, 36 minutes or whatever before the fourth quarter. And 
try to build on that rather than, oh, let's just go shot for shot. Uh, if we get a stop here, we get a stop there. That's good. But let's just go shot for shot. And then we'll ramp things up in the in the fourth quarter when the team has all the confidence in the world that they could do anything they want with your defense. You know, I, I think a lot of times you might be right, but it's about the, the quality of shot. It's about how you're getting the shot. Like if you're giving up 70 points in the paint, you're going to lose almost, I'd say like 85, 90% of the time. Hmm. Like if you're giving up that many points in the paint, that means that they're shooting some ridiculous percentage. And that's not even factoring in the fact this team isn't a good like offensive rebound team. They're a good defensive rebounding team. They're still in the top five as far as defensive rebounding. But um, but if, if teams are like scoring efficiently, that's one thing. You, you get into games sometimes. The Minnesota game is is probably the best example where a team just doesn't miss. Like a guy like D'Angelo Russell it doesn't matter what you did. He just didn't miss. And, you know, I do think that there are ways that you can knock him off his line and make things a lot more difficult. But, like, if he, like, how many guys are going to hit seven wide open threes and a half? Like, and I, w- I don't even think they were all wide open. No. So, like, sometimes you're up against that. And, and, but that's not what Mike Brown's concerned with. Yes, he's frustrated by that fact that one guy, like, lit you up. Um, it's that you have games where, where it's literally, we'll go back to the Toronto game. Precious Achua and and Chris Boucher just ran a layup drill on you. Like, they ran a layup drill for at least, like, 10, 15 plays. Those guys just had one dunk after another. And at some point, somebody's got to step up and hit somebody or, or adjust a defensive scheme so they stop getting right to the basket every time. Mm. And that's what frustrates Mike more than the fact that some guy goes crazy and goes 7-7 seven seven from 3. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk more with our 1320 Kings insider, James Ham. And a quick mention, uh, one week from today, uh, Lindsey Harding will join us on the show. Uh, Sacramento Who's Kings going? assistant coach. Uh, and my favorite Duke Blue Devil, man. We'll talk to her uh, again one week from today. Uh, make your plans to be with us. Lindsey Harding will be a part of the show. Uh, and James Ham will as well. And we'll talk to him more when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. No, no, back to D-Lo and KC. D-Lo and KC on ESPN 1320. Was that him or the kid reporter? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it took us this long uh, to ask James. By the way, James, we're back live on the radio. Probably should have mentioned that. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're back. Um, have you been losing sleep, James? Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you, NBA officials are tweeting how they – they're losing sleep over missed calls late, late, late in games, and I'm, I'm just wondering, Hammer. You know, you, you, you cover the league as closely as anyone. Are, are you losing sleep also? Um, I'm embarrassed for the league. That's, I'm embarrassed that's, because that seems um, to be the consensus. Yeah, you know what? I'll go back. It was what, like three, me, three years ago. Um, the Kings and Lakers were in a heated battle in L.A. And it came down to the Kings were up one with, I want to say like five seconds left. And Harrison Barnes was defending LeBron James at the top of the key. LeBron bull rushed him. Barnes held his ground. LeBron stuck a forearm into Barnes's face and shoved him to the floor and then fell back and missed a shot. 
and they not only was it not called an offensive foul, they gave LeBron two free throws, which gave the Lakers the win. And then the last two-minute report came out and very definitively said it was an offensive foul on LeBron James, and Harrison Barnes should have been uh, should have been awarded two free throws at the other end because they're in the penalty. Anyway, like there was no like cry for me moment from the from the league when they botched the the call early in the season with Tyler Hero. There was no call. When De'Aaron Fox was hit on the arm, they didn't even acknowledge that on the second uh, against the Lakers, right? Mm-hmm. It was Russ Golden that ran up center. and yep. hit him on the on a three-point attempt. Like, all of these calls that, Clay that they're talking about. Yeah. Clay Thompson like, play. Yep. for them to, like, not only, like, botch the call on LeBron, but then to admit it and, like, smooch is behind like, I don't get that. To me, that was the most embarrassing thing I've seen from the league in a long time. I mean, Kings fans are still waiting for their apology for for Game 6 of the 2002, you know, Western Conference Finals. Yeah. No, like, no, to no. have to have the officials come out and say something so pathetic, really? It, that's what it was. It was just like, like bowing down to King James, like, hey, man, like, how many times has that guy got a call that he didn't deserve? And what just... You know what he should have got? He should have got a technical for uh, being completely embarrassing on the court and making a, a complete scene. I remember a game where uh, DeMarcus Cousins clapped loudly three times and got a technical. You got LeBron James out there like looking like uh, Willem Dafoe in, uh, what was that, Platoon, wow. raising his hands to the air, and you're just like, hey, man. Like, we get it. The helicopter just left you. That in itself, that play in itself, what LeBron was doing, is an affront to the officials. It's an embarrassment to the officials, just like Patrick Beverly walking over with the camera and flipping through shots. This guy. That is a technical in itself. And so, like, enough with the BS. Like, okay. Yeah. I'd be clear. I popped for the Patrick Beverly move, though. That was crazy. no, I've never crazy. seen anything like it's that like, before. Oh, but Pat, Pat, took the Pat Bev over. <laughs> Pat Bev had counted his money out for the fine, set it on the scorer's table, and went out there. I've he knew exactly what he was getting. Pat Bev is a mess. You know? That was He's amazing. <laughs> My man just held the camera up to the official. That was incredible. Yeah. Somebody get that platoon shot, you know. Of I, I wonder if this left. is how people feel when we make references they don't understand. Probably because I don't. How I don't could you have guys have missed Platoon? What is? I mean, that, come on. First of all. Platoon. It's a movie oh, it's an incredible Vietnam movie. Oh uh, no, I don't. Charlie Sheen. Yeah, like uh, no, Platoon's incredible. Mm. Yeah, I saw Saving like, Private, Private Ryan in class one time in high school. In class. Yeah, we showed, we How long was the class? Well, we watched it like all week. <laughs> Three days. <laughs> we watched it like all week. Teacher didn't Three feel days. like working that uh, week, I boy. That um, all I re- and all I remember about that movie is the opening scene. That was that was a lot. Oh, I don't remember walking the movie around too well. like yeah. looking for his arm. Like, oh, there's yeah. my arm. Yeah. Picks it up. I was like, Jesus, goodness. A William Defoe reference on D'Lo and KC. I, I don't what, know. what else? Where if, else would if, I know if, William Defoe? If from? anyone laid a wager for that, man, you are rich. <laughs> Where where else might I know him from, James? Um, oh, he's been in a lot of movies. He's a he's a great actor. 
Um, let's see. Uh, I know the name. I just Boondock Saints. I know the Boondocks. And, and then the the secondary one. Um, he was also uh, in Spider Man. He was oh um, okay the Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah. The Green Goblin. yeah. He he was in the 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 you the Spider Man joint. You know who this guy is. Wait a minute. Yeah. The like is it old Spider Man? Nah, nah, this dude. The one with Tobey Maguire. That dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do know him. Just he's pull a, up the cover. Just pull up the cover of Platoon. I'm sure it's a, um, it's an iconic shot. Tom Berenger is a, a is a of, jerk. He's in a couple and of leaves. movies. He's, yeah, I know him. And, and oh, he's, the, he's a great actor. Isn't Tom Berenger the dude in Major League? Yeah. Um. Yes. 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 All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, Tom Berenger's been in a million things too. Do you know who John Witherspoon is? <sighs> I just I want to get us back on the same level playing field here. <laughs> I'm going to need to... John Witherspoon basically plays Pops in every movie that he's in. Um, Okay. Pop, 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 chicken, pop, chicken, pop. Have you seen Boomerang? Yes, of course. Okay, so... uh, I made a Boomerang reference on here. You did. You You did make a Boomerang. About the toes, the the bad toes. (laughs) Very nice. Hammer time. It was hammer time in the shoes. Yeah. That's that's right. Uh, uh, John Witherspoon is the guy who says, you got to coordinate. You you coordinate. He, He was David Allen Greer's dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, James is. And like, I know who David Allen Greer is. Yeah, David Allen Greer. Of course. Um, yeah. The the Spider-Man that William Dafoe was in, Green Goblin. Wow. This C, it's not even CGI. The special effects is horrible. Oh. You would think it was made in 1987, and it was like For 2002. Wait, was For it For really? it wasn't bad. Oh, it's because it, it comes on like – FX every now and then, and we'll I see. Oh, Spider Man's on, thinking it's the one with the what's the, what's the new guy? We like I the have one with no the new idea. Guy. I can't. Keep I, I like up. the one with the new guy, Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. Tom Holland. Yeah. yeah, I like I like the one with Tom Holland. So we'll turn it on there, thinking it's a Tom Holland one. But it's a what's the name? Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. Yep. Oh my gosh, the special effects are trash. Batman like. Batman <laughs> like what? Batman. Batman uh, like I'll Michael take, Keaton. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Batman like and this thing was made in 2002. Oh uh, man. The the new um the new Spider-Man where they bring all three Spider-Man together, Willem Dafoe is back in that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. it, all the villains are back. Yeah. We have ventured into yeah. a world like that I know. It's a weird. Yeah, very, Tom, very. Tom yeah. Holland and Zendaya, those are the those are the best Spider-Mans. Yeah, and I Willem like Dafoe, the Willem Dafoe's an actor you guys should know. I mean, he's, well, no, I know no, the know name. Him, Stop him. being yeah. so judgmental. I know his name. <laughs> now I needed to see I, his face. I now here, I know exactly who he is. As I like, as yeah. I look here, he's in Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah, that's what yeah, so I was that's, saying. That's the, a good one. the new one. Yeah, he's in it. They bring everyone back. Again, yeah. I did not expect this uh, at all, <laughs> but I, I guess uh, we'll do our, our our William Dafoe homework here. Um, there you go. <laughs> What Kings player is most like William <laughs> Defoe? Trey Lyles. <laughs> huh. Well, I don't know. Strong carry. Um, hmm. Versatile. That's a good question. Can play. Can play a war veteran. Can play a, uh, a, a comic book villain. Yeah. Huh. Harrison Barnes. You can. Do no, that. I'd say it's probably closer to Fox. But Ooh. yeah, because even if you watch Defoe. If you watch Platoon, William Defoe and that is like intense. Like he's, he's like a, a total leader and like he kills many people. 
Jesus. It's it's it's, it's intense. It's funny you mentioned like two actors who I know for like comedy in this war movie and Tom Berenger and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, this is a this is yeah. like a serious war movie? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it's kind of the height of Charlie Sheen before he starts doing um, again like Major League, mm-hmm. like him. Well, it's probably right around Major League, but mm-hmm. also like a lot of the the weird stuff he does, the funny stuff. It's probably around the same time as the movie he does with his brother, uh, whether the garbage guys, the garbage men. I, I work. vaguely remember that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, remember. two and a half. Men, men. Emilio Estevez. I remember. I remember the the great. I'm um, one of the few people who found Two and a Half Men funny. I, it's so it's fine. I, I don't. I enjoy it's, it. You know, because it comes on these channels, and <laughs> I think John Cryer is fantastic. The, so the great, yeah. uh, I can say this because he's a legend and he's not working anymore. But the great Gary Radnich uh, at KBR used to always say, the highest paid actor on that show should be the kid. He's the half man. They don't have a half man <laughs> without the kid. So he should go. In, if Charlie Sheen, what do you make a, a million every episode? I want 1.5. That's a stupid ass analogy. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I need 1.5. 1.5. It's dumb. He wasn't even vital to the show. He was barely a part of it. it okay, so he's gone. Is it two and a half men anymore? Uh, yes. How? Because that's still what they called it. It's two and a they half men. They sent the kid two, off to military school it's and still. Two men and the bro. little boy. That's the half men. No, it, the, bro. No, that kid was gone for like three years. Well, and it when was he got, still two and a half. When he got men. older, that I don't know what happened. But he's talking yeah. about when he was a kid. No, when the show he, first started, they they could have just renamed. We've side railed. No, no, how they gonna rename the show? Gary, Gary Red, that was a, Gary what do you mean they gonna rename Gary the show? Red, that, was a, that was an awful. My bad. That was an absolutely awful take on his part. <laughs> it is shameful. What do you mean they gonna rename the show? You could have done anything you wanted with the show. That kid was not important. That kid was not important to the show. You could have just marched a new kid in every episode, and it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, he was good. He was a good. He was a good actor. Oh, he was went, until they like. I, th- I think he found God and realized uh, I can't be on this show anymore. Good for him. See, I'm here with Blake. Uh, Charlie Sheen killed it in Ferris Bueller's oh, Day Off. Oh, that's facts. Mm. That's facts. Yeah, he, I vaguely he was remember very, that very show. good in that. I not moving. He, he was uh, Jennifer Grace. Yeah, mm. yeah. Was, he, when she he, gets. He, Small part put down on a, a seat like at, at the police station for uh, when she's going to turn and oh she's trying to turn in Principal Rooney yeah hmm. uh, wow this this yeah. this it's this good scene. this this turned <laughs> um so what Kings player is most like Ferris Bueller then I don't <sighs> oh most like Ferris I'm gonna Bueller. say it's Malik Monk oh that's a good call right there. That's, yeah, that's a great call right there. Uh, Malik Monk could definitely be Ferris Bueller. I I, I got to get back into my realm. Which Kings player is most like O Dog? Wait, <laughs> Davion. Wait, Davion. And absolutely, Davion Mitchell. If you're gonna have You've Malik Ferris Monk as Ferris Bueller. I, I don't remember. Like, I just remember him at the Cubs game. That's all I remember. You would have to have uh, Keegan Murray as Cameron. Oh, that is flawless. Yeah, just emotionless, expressionless. Yeah. Oh, that's when a good Cameron call. was in Egypt's <laughs> land. Let my, Let my Cameron, Cameron go. go. <laughs> that is absolutely Keegan Murray. That's you tremendous. Totally like just <laughs> uh, you know, we Straight uh, me and Sean the whole movie. Me and Sean Cunningham sit next to each other every game, and in their intro, it's all this, everyone's doing all this flashy stuff, they're spinning, 
and Keegan Murray standing there like this. <laughs> Sean laughs every time. Like, you couldn't get anything better than him just deadpanning looking at the ceiling. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah. That is tremendous. Um, <laughs> Mike Brown is Principal Rooney then trying to get his team to play defense. Uh, what, <laughs> what type of... What type of adjustments do you think we see tonight? We said we talked about this earlier, and I think this is important to to point out. The, in these moments, the Kings have responded like time after time after. Hey, the Kings are going to have to respond. They got roughed up. Hey, the Kings defense is going to have to respond. This happened in the last game. They've done a great job at responding all year. What does that look like though in this second matchup against Minnesota tonight? Yeah, I mean, you got to shut down the perimeter, guys. You got to do a better job of making their shots more difficult, and you can't let D'Angelo Russell be the guy who beats you. I mean, if he scores 20, that's fine. I know last game he only scored 26, but again, it comes down to how he scored it. Uh, You know, 23 of it came in the first half. Um, And and you can't let those two guys be dueling banjos and just torch you. Um, I also, like, look, I get it. Fox is amazing in the fourth quarter. Like, give me something in the first. Give me something in the second. I think he was 0-4 in the first quarter. Like, he was quiet. And I look back, and over the last, uh, like, since he came back from the foot problem, right? He had a sore foot. He's shooting 28% from three, and that's over, like, 25 games or something. Like, he, he's got to, like, figure out the three-point shot. Like, they, they just aren't quite – they were fi- firing on all cylinders. Now they're not again. Um, and I'll also point out, like – when the Kings won seven early in the season, they lost their next three. Uh, they won six this time, and then they lost one, won one, lost two, so they've lost three out of four. Like, winning like a big, long win streak like that, it does take its toll. It, like, emotionally, physically, like, you're, you're in every single game. You're fighting. You're trying to put up as many points as possible. Like, uh, and, and then you start building and the excitement and everything. Like, teams usually do come down pretty hard off of a couple of big wins or a win streak. Um, and so I think this is, again, to be expected from this team. I, I would I would be surprised if we didn't see a much better effort in tonight's game. I, I want to see uh, somebody like stand up to Nas Reed. Nas Reed killed them on Saturday. And Future King Nas Reed, question I, mark? I, I wish. Question mark. <laughs> I wish. Nas Reed can play. Um, but I need to see, you know, Trey Lyles, um, Chabenzi Metu, whatever starter is still in there when Nas Reed is playing, I need to see them stand up and match his intensity, match his gameplay. He, he had a I, – I can't remember what the final numbers were, but I know just watching the game, he was very impactful in that game on Saturday. And I need somebody to match his energy and look to outplay him. Yeah, I mean, some of the problems that you have is that when perimeter players get going like they did against the Kings, uh, Nas Reed had 14 points and two rebounds, mm-hmm. um, six and nine from the field. Uh, and one of four from three. That's interesting. He has expanded his range. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but when you have to start concentrating a lot more of your attention on one or two players on the perimeter, it really does. You're giving up something else. You're going to make somebody go one-on-one against Nas Reed, who's very athletic mm-hmm. and uh, and very strong. It's kind of a good combo. And the fact that he can shoot the three, he is a nice fit. If I were the Kings, I would be looking at him because if he can play some four, that would be really interesting. Um, whether he can or not, whether they're going to get rid of him or not, I don't know. Have you noticed what traits during a game really get Keegan going? 
It, it, it feels like, I mean, he, he had moments, you know, he, he had those career high games. Uh, he was, he was regularly hitting 20 and then he just kind of had a down night. It's not, not, you know, not being overly critical. It's just, is there some formula to, to what really gets Keegan going? Yeah. It's shots. I mean, like he's just the volume. Yeah. He's, he's like a lot of players, especially when they're young in the league. Like he only took eight shots in the, in the loss. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting your shots, you usually are pretty quiet and, uh, for a guy like him who has shown, I mean, he's been so incredibly good, um, for, especially from three. I mean, what he's doing, uh, what's he shooting, like 50, 50 plus percent um, since like mid-December from three. Like he's been on fire. Um, but if he doesn't get the opportunities, even if you go back to the, the game where he scored um, 29, mm-hmm. he only took 12 shots. Like he scored 29 points on 12 shots. Mm. And he only got to the free throw line for four free throws. So again, yeah, he five didn't get to the free throw three. line at all the other night. Yeah, he hasn't got to the line in two games, two straight games. Um, he needs to figure out like what is the happy medium. We saw the big rebounding games, the ten, the fourteen, uh, and nine, and three out of four games. Uh, but then he's back to three rebounds, four rebounds. When he rebounds, he's usually a lot more active. But man, if you keep feeding that kid. Um, he he ends up putting up numbers like he's only taken 10 or more shots in 22 games uh and i don't know what the king's record is are in those games but i'm gonna guess it's pretty good uh he's a guy that you need to get more looks for especially with the way he's shooting the ball from the perimeter king score 114 tonight you think they win yes (laughs) (laughs) the numbers say james 113 or less the team's three and 15 oof which means they're yeah. twenty four and six when they score one hundred and fourteen or more. Hmm. Score, score, score! <laughs> ah, stop here, there isn't going to hurt anybody. Just score. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe no, maybe no thirty point outings from anyone on 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 Minnesota tonight. That'll help, James. You think they respond? Yeah, I think they do. I think they're ready. I, you know, they know how big this this seven game trip is. They know how big uh, crushing. Uh, Minnesota would be for you know their playoff chances and for uh, and and hurting Minnesota's as well. Um, I, you know this is a game that it's one of the teams you're going to be competing with down the stretch, uh, whether that's for a three seed or a five seed or a six seed or a seven seed. It doesn't matter. You're they're still going to be in there with you, um, and you know it's an interesting team. That's for sure. They're they've got a lot of length. They got a lot of athleticism. Um, I, I don't know that they get better when Carl Anthony Towns comes back because he's not a great defender, and that's kind of what they've been living on is a little bit of you know defensive punch. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Kings are going to come out tonight with uh, some some pretty lofty goals to, to you know take it to a team and to get ready for what's coming. You know, They've got a, a group of games here where they can really make some headway if they keep focused. Hawks, Raptors, Nets. We're rooting for all of them tonight. We could, root, we could root for the Detroit Pistons, too. It feels a little sketchy against yeah. Dallas, but we'll, we'll, back. we'll just root for all of them. Lucas playing. Uh, we'll Luke root for playing. all of them tonight and, of course, root for uh, the Sacramento Go Kings. Go Pistons. What up, though? <laughs> if you're listening on ESPN 1320 or the Odyssey app, uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to run it back for you. More James Ham, we got you covered. Chris Biederman, we've got you covered. That's all coming up next here on Sacramento Sports Leader. 
D-Lo and KC on ESPN 1320. Go Kings!